0: Hello and welcome back to the European Show. This is episode twenty-five, and we've got some one exciting European competition and one less exciting European competition to look at. And to join me, as always, is Nick. So welcome back, Nick. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. Such a nice sunny day, and uh, and yeah, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing well. So the first place we'll start is obviously with the Champions League, which is not provided as much excitement as obviously stages of last year have we'll first look at Napoli versus Milan which was probably the standout or the game with most to play for on Tuesday and it was kind of just a, a rerun of the second of the first leg with Milan just basically defending for their lives while Napoli tried to do something and tried to score it it is worth noting that oh, Napoli did give away a penalty which Olivier Giroud did miss, but then Giroud then scored quite soon after to make it one nil, and then basically Napoli dominated the rest of the game, and Milan relied on Mike Manion to kind of keep them in front, and mm. Napoli themselves missed a penalty in the 80th minute before then equalising in the game but not on aggregate, like really late on and. They just were rather quite ineffective. And I think it's safe to say that this isn't the Napoli that people were normally expecting, as obviously they were just rather poor in front of goal. Personally, I think Kravitz did not have his best game (laughs) in a Napoli shirt. I think that's quite easy to say.
1: I think um, two things played a a part. First of all, Napoli got unlucky with their injuries. Left-back Mario Rui and their right winger who i've forgotten they both got injured basically at the same time in the 30th minute maybe a bit early 25th minute and it took a lot of wind out of their sails because they began assaulting fully assaulting the uh, ac milan goal and uh, that combined with the penalty they conceded kind of really took a, took away their momentum but i think the other important factor is i think ac milan and pioli just have their number they know they know they, they know how they play and they know how to choke them out because we, we've seen it uh we saw in the league they, uh, they just stopped them dead on, uh, literally 10 days ago, two weeks ago. Then um, they did it in the first leg of this tie and they've done it again. They've, they've managed to uh, to really lock down uh, Napoli. I mean, sure, Napoli weren't the most front offensive goal, but the fact of the matter is they didn't see the goal very much. Just in general, they really struggled to penetrate into the box. They struggled to create opportunities because Milan just knew how to stop that. They knew how to break them down. And a big shout out to Davide Calabria, who just went crazy. And, sh- and just some some right-, okay, not some right back he's AC Milan's right back and he's quite good but I didn't know he was good enough to 1v1 lock down the best dribbler in Europe at the moment he saw Kvara's and he was like you know what you're mine and anything Kvara tried bro Calabria was on him Calabria would not let him do anything I, I, I don't think maybe once I think I saw Kvara like actually beat his man and and that was it. So it it was in part not having his best game in Part Calabria, just really being on top of his shit. And it was that was AC Milan's game overall. Like, the team knew how to defend. They knew how to defend specifically specifically against Napoli. And uh, and Osimhen, I think he touched the ball two or three times. One of which was the goal he scored. And that was
0: pretty much it. I, th- I think. The comparisons that people have been drawing between Manchester City in 2017-18 to Napoli and then Milan to Liverpool in the exact same uh, season is quite telling because obviously then Liverpool had Manchester City's number and they also made it to the Champions League final. And obviously we're seeing Milan now qualify for the semi-final. Obviously I think for Napoli there would just be kind of kicking themselves because I, I think in recent weeks they've kind of took their their foot off the pedal especially in the league and I've, that's obviously affected them here as well because as, as as you said they had the ball a lot but they just weren't really doing a lot in goal obviously there was the fact that Magnon showed why he could be maybe the best goalie in the world at the moment yeah and, and obviously when a goalkeeper's on on crack like that you can't really there's nothing you can really do, to be honest, and and this is and this is what we were seeing here. Yeah, I think if you ask any Napoli fan, I don't think they really care, because obviously they're going to win the league, and after you've waited so long to win the league, I I think they'll just take anything really, and well, this is what we will see next month when they ultimately win. While for Milan, the omens are there, because the last time they made it to the Champions League semi-finals, they won, which was in two thousand and seven. But obviously, there's a big difference between that team and this team now. But what's obviously beneficial for Milan is the fact they're playing Inter. But I imagine we'll get on to that when we get to speaking about Inter. And so the the other game on that day was Chelsea versus Real Madrid. And the game was over before it really began, if we're being honest. Because obviously, this is Real Madrid. Everyone knows how they do in the Champions League. They very rarely choke in this sense and coming up against this incarnation of Chelsea where they're just terrible it would have taken more than a miracle for this Real Madrid team to, to choke this time around
1: yeah without a shadow of a doubt I mean like uh, like we said in the first uh, well in the episode preceding the first game of this tie Chelsea can't score goals against the most mediocre Premier League clubs What what makes them think they can score against one of the best teams in spain like realistically speaking not only one of the best teams in spain but one of the best teams in the champions league full stop unsurprisingly they didn't score a single goal um they did have dominance of the game in the first half first 60 minutes roughly um that's a combination of the way ancelotti likes to play i believe we've mentioned this before he likes to kind of seed the game first let his team get into it get into the game ease into into the match And kind of learn their opposition and then the second half really go out full of energy and overwhelm their opponents so it was in part that and in part Lampard had a pretty interesting tactic which was initially heavily criticized but ended up sort of working where he played six midfielders six quite defensive ones as well uh, for the most part and it seemed like he was going to try and hold the result which is kind of weird but the reason this kind of worked was because they were double teaming. They were they were double teaming the entire Real Madrid midfield, so <laughs> Real Madrid could not play the ball out, which is quite funny. And I mean, it it worked kind of. It it definitely helped them uh, get a control of the game and uh, and keep the ball. Uh, however, their only attacking option was Kai Havertz. I don't think I need to expand on that. Uh, so unsurprisingly they didn't manage to score with their uh, ambitious tactical changes Um, so basically the reason they lost control of the match was because in part uh, Real Madrid stepped more into the game and took more initiative and also in part because uh, João Felix and Sterling were brought on for two important defensive midfielders I think one was Enzo Fernandes, I don't remember the other one Uh, point being once they weren't double teaming the Real Madrid midfield trio they were doing 1v1s for the most part uh cuz they had three midfielders now uh well Real Madrid's midfielders are categorically better than every single Chelsea midfielder so they just regained control of the game and th- that's where it finished basically but uh but yeah i mean Chelsea just suck the- the- there's no other way to look at it they're a- they're a bad team and um Real Madrid and Ancelotti will be quite thankful that they, they came up against them obviously um Vinny did cook. More than anything, Rodrigo cooked him really badly. They could have actually scored maybe one or two more goals, but I, d- I don't really think they cared. I also I thought it was quite funny how Rodrigo just... He just stood in front of the goal with the ball at his feet while while Kepa was scrambling to to get back. And I thought that's hilarious. I thought that was Chelsea versus Real Madrid in one picture. It was just Rodrigo taking his time, calmly making his way, not really bothered by anything. He just doesn't have anything to worry about disrespectful sure hilarious and fair enough yep absolutely so yeah i i thought this game was quite enjoyable
0: i think obviously here as you mentioned rodrigo i'm not saying obviously this is his coming of age but i think for the team that they play next in the semi-finals in their game there was glaring weaknesses in the position that rodrigo plays in and obviously most teams when they're Dealing with Real Madrid will always look at the side Vinicius Jr. is on because he is obviously Benzema's a killer when he can be, um, but obviously, mo- I would say Vin- if Vinicius is the more dangerous player, he can do more with less. What, what I'm trying to get at here is we saw the damage Rodrigo has done against Chelsea, well, he did against Manchester City last year, and with them obviously playing Manchester City now, Manchester City showed against Bayern Munich that Nathan Ake struggles against players that are quicker than him and uh, and obviously Rodrigo is quicker than Ake I'm assuming and it's not going to look good for Manchester City when they have to deal with not only Rodrigo on that side against Ake but Vinicius Junior against whoever because even if they put Carl Walker there I'm pretty sure Vinicius Junior will get the better of Carl Walker
1: um, I mean in the past that hasn't been the case uh, I guess Vinicius has improved since then but uh yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's difficult to say, especially with uh, with Man City doing quite well uh, in recent games. We'll, we'll get back to that. But uh, as everyone surely knows at this point, they tightly dispatched uh, Bayern Munich uh, in two different games. So I I think it's gonna be more close than, than your anti-Man City outlook may may see it. But yeah, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting game uh, for sure. I think Guardiola just has a team of mechanical monsters. Every single player on the pitch always does their role to like the exact p- perfect like thing he requires and when they don't he just switches them out it's, it's like a cogs in a machine he is like actually bestial meanwhile Real Madrid doesn't quite have that they have they have stars who can shine really brightly but like you said v- sometimes Benzema doesn't have his best game as the first half of the season showed that quite well um Ceballos was really good in the early start of this calendar year and he's been kind of like dimming a little bit back and forth and so I think uh, Real Madrid will be quite performance reliant. It is the Champions League, and it is Real Madrid. So usually the performances are one hundred twenty percent. But um, I, I I think uh, Pep has a Pep has a good chance. But he might do the Pep thing and overthink it and just cock it up. But uh, but we'll have to see how it goes. Also, sure, Real Madrid do have Vinicius. They do have Benzema. They do have Rodrigo. However, Man City have Haaland, and that counts as much as all three put together. Like realistically speaking, this guy just. He's different, he's just different. Also, final stat, while we are uh, on the Rodrigo prop, he has more Champions League goals than La Liga goals, which I think makes him the perfect Real Madrid player.
0: Real Madrid are literally
1: the severe of the Champions League.
0: Uh, on Manchester City, uh, they obviously beat Bayern Munich in the tie, but they drew one one in aggregate. Similar to the first leg, Bayern Munich were okay. And you know, they, they actually were competing. For a tiny bit. Ipa was saved twice from possibly having the worst. Or he did have probably one of the worst 15 minutes in his career. And was saved twice. For the first time he, in my opinion. I I don't think that. I I would say that the tackle on Haaland was a bit soft on Haaland's part. And, And if it was a red card I would have thought maybe it wasn't. But obviously the rules are. He's the last man, so he would have got end off anyway, even though it, if I think it was a bit soft. Um, but obviously, that got rescinded because Haaland was offside. And then um, a couple of minutes later, Upa McConnell then gave away a penalty for a handball before Haaland then missed the ball as well. But this wasn't the end between Upa McConnell and Haaland because in the second half, Haaland is then one on one with Upa McConnell again. Upa McConnell then slips. ...before Haaland then goes in and scores... ...which basically wins the game for City... ...or wins the tie for City... ...Bayern Munich equalised in the game... ...later on with a penalty from Kimmich... ...but it really... ...at no point really... ...apart from the start of the game... ...did Bayern look like they were going to cause issues for... ...Manchester City... ...I think obviously we saw... How, ...how Bayern Munich did... ...in the Champions League... three years ago... ...and how, how dominant they were... ...but obviously here... We're kind of seeing what happens when you, have, when you miss a striker like Lewandowski. And then also what people have started to notice is the Joshua Kimmich-Leon Goretzka partnership isn't as effective as people think it could be. Because as of late, Goretzka just kind of seems a bit of a meathead. And obviously it's very hard to replace player like Thiago with Goretzka. They're two completely opposite players. And obviously, I think we're starting to see this now because obviously Thiago has this flair about him and this creative edge, which Leon Goretzka doesn't have. He's just a bit of a, a bulldozer.
1: I mean, yeah, effectively enough, he just runs around. I, I mean, well, it's, 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 it's certainly compared to the well-balanced and well-structured Man City midfield, uh, there, there was a strong contrast because I especially enjoyed watching um, Rodri play. He, he is just a Busquets regen, basically he's a Busquets regen who is quite good at football Um, and then seeing the contrast between him and Goretzka and the way the two of them tried to control the game in different ways and one of them clearly succeeded very very well.
0: So I I think this will determine the recruitment direction of by Munich in the summer. Um, The other game on that day was Inter Milan versus Benfica. Um, Inter Won the tie, but they didn't make it easy for themselves. Inter won 5-3 on aggregate, but Inter were winning 3-1 comfortably until the 86th minute where they then conceded to make it 3-2 before they then conceded again in the 95th minute to make it 3-3. Obviously, it doesn't matter because they qualified. However, if you want to win the Champions League, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't just be throwing away... Your lead, especially even if it's just a one off game, you shouldn't be throwing away leads because when you come up against a team that's better than you, whether that be Milan or a Real Madrid or Manchester City, you will get punished quite severely. Indeed, especially
1: because the next game is the Milan Derby. It is the game. In the season before the San Siro gets retired uh, from its illustrious and historic use, it's going to host a two legged Milan Derby in the Champions League semi final and uh, both teams will have to be at their very best and as as jack said inter didn't quite look it meanwhile as as we've covered earlier milan milan have their shit together milan know how to win two legged ties. milan know how to win Pioli is a good manager but yeah i i think i just sums it up like like there's two very different managers two very different teams and if 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 Inzaghi and, and, and the rest of inter don't like get their boots on the ground and restart really moving it's going to be going to be very very difficult to come out on top in what's what will inevitably go down as a historic game, like y- you can see coming from a mile away, th- this tie is going to be one of those that becomes a classic. It's going to be one of those that people in ten years talking, ten years of talking about, like, oh, do you remember that one? Like, yeah, 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 it was a great
0: one. The other tie is Real Madrid Manchester City. It's a rematch with the semi-finals last year, where obviously Manchester City threw away the lead in the dying moments of a game to then get knocked out, and Real Madrid obviously went on to win the t- title. So we have two very interesting semi-finals here with obviously the Milan derby and then the rematch of last year's semi-final and what's obviously interesting for that is the fact that Manchester City are probably better than they were last year and then Real Madrid are not as good as they were last year and so I, th- I think it'd be interesting how, how that will pan out but obviously it's the Champions League where Manchester City notoriously struggle and obviously Real Madrid notoriously prosper. We're now going to have our break and then we'll be back with the Europa League. Welcome back from our break we'll now look at the more exciting competition this time around it was the Europa League where we did see a monumental collapse It was more of an extended, monumental collapse, but with the team involved, it's basically inevitable.
1: I mean, when we talk about the Europa League, we have to begin with one team, and obviously everyone's going to know where this is going. I I don't understand. They're literally one of the worst teams in the Liga right now. They literally are so bad. Like, any time any team plays against them, they're almost guaranteed three points. Sevilla have lost like 6-0 Against Atletico, they lost against like five nil against Barcelona. They they don't stop losing games. They just recently have gathered together barely enough points to be slightly safe in the relegation zone. But they're still bad. They still play terribly and don't look like they deserve to win any games. And then in La Liga, they're terrible. When it comes to the to the Europa League, they just smacked Manchester United. They were like, you know what, thirteen in thirteen in the Premier League. 3-0, 3-0, you lose 3-0, sorry about that. It's the Europa League. I, I do not, okay, granted, Man United take a lot of the blame. They played pretty terribly. But like, how do you get outplayed by one of the worst teams in, in,
0: in the league? Like, I, I don't understand. How does that happen? I don't know. It was kind of just like a week-long collapse. So obviously Manchester United threw the game away in the dying moments of, of the first leg, conceding two own goals. And then they go to, to Seville. Bearing in mind that in the round previous, Manchester United quite comfortably beat Real Betis. So they go back to Seville. But this time, it's a completely different story as David De Gea puts in like a disaster class of a performance. And he he basically... He's at fault for the first goal scored by Enesiri. Then Loic Bade extended Seville's lead with a header before then, again, De Gea was at fault for another Siri goal. And... Yeah, it's just kind of, it was, I, I have no words to really describe this because it, it, it's just such so odd that such a team has such a, this is like their competition. And this is the epitome of the joke that Sevilla will always just care about the Europa League because of the fact that you said how terrible they've been in, in La Liga. And to completely get rid of all that they dispatch, a the team that's in the top three of the Premier League at the moment as well.
1: Look, Jack, their manager, has zero European experience this guy has spent his entire 30 year long career 30 years he's just been managing mid-table Liga clubs has never ever managed a European (laughs) a European competition tie and he's like you know what for my first ever set of games I'm going to beat Man United like how do you even how does that happen it's it's just it's literally just Sevilla things no other team has this source.
0: There is clearly a higher power that pushes Sevilla in the Europa League. <laughs> there, there's no other explanation, really. And so Sevilla will be playing Juventus in the semi-final. Juventus themselves somehow beat Sporting. Over the, both of the two legs, Sporting were the better team than Juventus. But somehow, Juventus just scraped away and won the game. With that one goal that they scored... In the first leg. Because obviously they, they drew 1-1 in Lisbon. And so I think obviously looking at this semi-final. It kind of gives Sevilla even more hope. Because of just how terrible Juventus have been. Um, that they could probably. If they pull in that sort of performance against Manchester United. Albeit Manchester United were a bit shit. Juventus have been notoriously bad. So if they could take advantage of that. Especially at home. Then they could be seeing themselves in another Europa League final. Only Two years after they last... Or three years, actually, after they last won it. And then, on the other side of the draw, we had Roma come from behind to beat Feyenoord. Um, they, Roma took the lead in the game. Um, They were trailing on aggregate. But then Feyenoord scored quite late on to give Feyenoord the lead on aggregate. But then, like, Roma needed a late Dybala winner, or equaliser, before then scoring twice in extra time and so this does mean Roma are in the semi-final despite Jose Mourinho's lack of inability to perform in the league they're doing quite well in the cup competitions because now this is the second European final in two years obviously they made it they won the conference league last year and now they're obviously in the Europa League and have a decent chance of making it to the final indeed uh, well
1: Mourinho's quite a good manager I don't think he's at his best anymore We've we've had this conversation in the past but like, it, it it's not impossible. I I think he can do it. So uh, we'll have to see how it happens. And I think I mean he's up against Xavi's. Uh, sh- she's against Xavi. He's against Alonso by Leverkusen, who are cooking. And uh, I don't know if he'll have uh, the capacity to get past them. But uh, honestly, between them and Sevilla, I think I think he has
0: a he has a clear shot at the final for sure. At the title itself, I don't know. And obviously, my my favourites for this competition, mainly through bias, is Bayer Leverkusen, who obviously drew with Saint Etienne in the first leg, but they beat them this time 4-1 in in obviously a comfortable win. The Saint Etienne goalie had a bit of a nightmare. He was I wouldn't say he wasn't as bad as De Gea, but he he was at fault for some of the goals as well. Now obviously Le- Leverkusen against Roma, and obviously as I've made my point beforehand, I, I genuinely believe. It's obviously not going to be easy for uh, for Leverkusen. Think they can beat Roma and, and see themselves into the final. Because they just seem to have... They have the attacking quality with the likes of Fing Pong, Diaby and especially Florian Verts. And so they have the quality. They have defensive stability. But I, I think the only issue is their goalkeeper because he is by far the least reliable goalkeeper around. And yeah, I think this is quite telling about maybe... The quality of manager that Xabi Alonso is. Obviously, we've mentioned it before. The fact that he comes in. Obviously, they 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 were a bit they were average before the World Cup, but since the World Cup, they've just kind of been on it, and, and he's he's building something that is. I'm not going to say special because you have to win stuff for it to be special, but I, there's potential there. I think it's
1: important to know that he's currently uh he's currently quite inexperienced. So, something as big as a well, European final... Well, this is final. his first
0: senior job.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, something as big as a European semi-final, European I think is uh, still maybe out of reach for him. Obviously, nothing is impossible, but uh, if we're talking about what's likely and what's unlikely, I think uh, it's going to take some time.
0: Obviously, this isn't the case of Master versus Student, because Javier Alonso does not play anything like Mourinho, but obviously they were... Mourinho was Alonso's manager at Real Madrid. So... It, it it is a case of um so i i definitely think the europa league is as interesting especially with juventus as well the fact that they're still hanging on despite being notoriously bad um on juventus they had their points reinstated um obviously they had the originally 15 point deduction which took them into the bottom half of the table but after their performances on the pitch they've managed to they managed to move up into the european or just outside the european places and with the points they've now moved up to third um obviously they are still behind the two points behind lazio they're three points ahead of roma and milan have been kicked out of the champions league places which means obviously now if things stay as they are the only way milan can actually make it to the champions league final or to the Champions League next year, is winning the Champions League, which is, is is quite a big ask. And obviously what happened last weekend is the fact that all the top teams, apart from Lazio and, and Roma, actually didn't win. So Milan drew with Bologna, Napoli drew with Hellas Verona, which kind of backs up the idea that they're kind of struggling. Um, and Inter lost to Monza, well, Juventus also lost to Sassuolo. This weekend we have Juventus versus Napoli, Obviously, early on in the season, Napoli just kind of absolutely dispatched Juventus, beating them five one in Naples. Um, but obviously, this time around, Juventus were a completely different team. Not they're in completely different form. Napoli themselves are struggling, and and this this is not the beginning of Napoli's choking job. But this is, and not an ideal situation for Napoli to be in with the fact that they've were poor in the Champions League. They obviously drew last weekend and now they're coming up against Juventus who have received a boost from the fact that they have regained their 15 points. So now they kind of have something to fight for as well to, to maintain their position in the Champions League places.
1: Yeah, I mean, at least Juventus have, uh, have recovered their 15-point deduction. So they're in less dire circumstances than they were recently.
0: And before we have our anthem break, we will quickly look at the Bundesliga. As obviously last weekend, we had both the top teams playing teams fighting relegation. We had Bayern Munich against Hoffenheim, Stuttgart versus Dortmund. Bayern drew with Hoffenheim, 1-1. And obviously these games were happening at the same time. And So you would think, okay, Dortmund can capitalise on this. And they were capitalising on it. They were leading 2-0 against Stuttgart. And Stuttgart were down to 10 men as well. Then, in the 78th minute, she up scored one. And then seven minutes later she took scored again. And so while Bayern were pushing to win the game against Hoffenheim, Dortmund had thrown away the 2-0 lead. Um then uh Terzik Ball and Giovanni Reina, who then scored in the 93rd minute, and it looked like you know what, Dortmund have done it. You know, they're, they're no longer they have this strong mentality to win games and stuff, and they're gonna they're gonna push for this title. In the 97th minute, she got equalised to make it 3-3. Which is a big plus for them, because it takes them closer to outside of the relegation zone. But for Dortmund, it means they've had a missed opportunity to catch up to Bayern. They would have gone level on points with Bayern, and obviously would have only been behind on goal difference. Um, however, that wasn't the case. And so, th- which what means what well, now is this weekend... Dortmund have to play Frankfurt. Obviously Frankfurt hasn't haven't been as good as they have been, or as they were at the beginning of the season, and have kind of fallen off as of late. And so this is probably it is this is the hardest test that Dortmund have. If they do not win, they will not win the league. Because there is only one game that Bayern are definitely more than likely to drop points in, and that's against Leipzig. Well Bayern this weekend to play Mainz, who themselves are having a very good season and as they're away there is a potential opportunity here that Bayern could slip up again and because they're not playing at the same time Dortmund will know what they have to do by the time they kick off but obviously things are not as rosy at Bayern as they may seem yes they're top of the league but an attacker hasn't scored for them since they beat Dortmund and they have not looked like a good team at all under Thomas Tuchel Yes, you could argue he's only been in charge for around a month, and so he hasn't had proper time to get his ideas across, but despite this being the exact same group of players that were under Julian Nagelsmann, they just seem to have looked worse. (laughs) Obviously, there's all the stuff that happens off the pitch as well, but on the pitch, they are just looking terrible. Well, they're not terrible, but they're not as good as what Bayern should be. So now we'll have our anthem break, and then we'll be back with La Liga. Welcome back from our break. You just heard the Europa League Anthem. So, Nick, what do you rate it out of 10? It's good. It's exciting. Uh, I guess you're hyped for
1: a good game of football, and it's good to listen to. Big um, 9 out of 10.
0: Mine's a 10 out of 10. I'm of the idea that it's better than the Champions League
1: Anthem. I despise you so much.
0: I think it's a better anthem. Wrong opinion. I think it's a better anthem. You could argue, for the reasons outside of the anthem itself, that the Champions League is superior. But as as an (laughs) anthem, it is so much better literally
1: only one person in the world has that opinion and it's you I I think you find I think
0: you I think you find there's a lot of people that share the same
1: you live in an echo chamber so La Liga I refuse I refuse to entertain this conversation La Liga moving on Um, not the most interesting week um, except for a few select games Uh, the most normal one shall we say Atletico beat Almeria Um, it was a tighter game than you would expect considering they were playing literally the worst team or sorry, a relegation-threatened team Um, but they had a lot of opportunities and they couldn't quite capitalize on all of them There's a lot of bad finishing but they did end up winning Um, Real Madrid also dispatched of their their opponents quite cleanly uh, 2-0 win against Cádiz um, who uh, are also in their own right uh, not doing particularly well also quite close to the relegation zone Um, the game saw Asensio return to his goal-scoring form which uh, he's quite on and off with Um, then some more interesting matches Sevilla and Valencia two of the worst teams two of the most underperforming teams in the Liga so far just beat each other out they just smacked each other and uh, Valencia came out the worst Um, Sevilla are now picking up a a more respectable amount of points they have 9 points from 15 out of possible 15 in the last five games. So it's looking less dire than it did before. Mino Valencia are drowning. They've now fallen uh, into the relegation zone and they're 30 points away from Salvation. Uh, and it's not looking good. They actually had a man sent off. They had Elish Moriba sent off uh, in this game. So uh, they're also missing him. Not that they'll be missing very much because he's not a great player. Um, Loic Bades scored, Suso scored. Uh, so Valencia suck. They suck more than Sevilla. It's really, really tra- like they actually might because ge- before people were like, "Oh, maybe Sevilla will get relegated." Okay, but but clearly they're recovering. Now Valencia, Valencia might legitimately get relegated. They are so bad. They sacked Gattuso, um and they still somehow have gotten even worse than they were with him, which is quite impressive. And it's not looking any better in the in the coming weeks as well. It's just they're just going to drown. Uh, they have some pretty. Uh, difficult games coming up as well before uh, the season ends they have to play um, Betis on the last day uh, away very very difficult game they have to play Real Madrid they have to play rivals Villarreal who uh, can really string together some good games uh, they also have some relegation six pointers multiple ones actually um, which will essentially dis- like decide if they get um, relegated or not other very very important uh, and influential game barcelona drew nil nil against getafe barcelona's last three games have been this nil nil draw a nil nil draw against um girona and uh, a four nil smacking by real madrid so clearly the team is uh, in the beginning of a free fall if they don't catch themselves soon they're gonna get really screwed over essentially what's going on is they they, they don't know how to attack they they don't have to create danger Pedri's not playing the not playing the team is just Idealist. They create no danger. They don't try anything. They don't... Lewandowski doesn't touch the ball. Lewandowski just... He's he's not a bad... He's quite a good striker, but he can't score goals if he's just like a poacher, which never gets any chances. Rafinha... Rafinha makes me want to stick toothpicks in my eyes. I do not like watching this guy play. I do not like watching this guy stroll up to his marker, look like he's considering it, trying to dribble him, and then give up halfway through and be like, I'm not good enough for this and then turn around and po- and pass the ball back. So, is also not playing very well and I think uh his injury way back when just cut out all of his momentum and he just plus giving him the pressure of the number ten shirt. What a stupid idea. He just doesn't look himself, he doesn't look confident, he doesn't believe in himself. Um Barcelona just don't know how to attack. Kitafi knew that, they just parked the bus basically and were like I mean, that's just, ha- just how Khedafé plays, and like, if you can't beat a low block, like, well, speaking of uh, Barcelona's bad form, uh, not only are they very slowly having their pretty sizable lead eroded, uh, but they play Atleti next game. Atleti are in great form. Atleti have not lost a game. They've, they've won six games in a row. They have not lost a game since the January transfer window. Coincidentally, that's when Joao Felix and, uh, and a bunch of other players left. But uh, I will not speak. So I think they're playing quite well. As mentioned, they've maybe lost a bit of steam in the last game against Almeria. As mentioned, they weren't at their sharpest, especially in attack. But uh, but I mean Barcelona, Barcelona are really not at their sharpest. Quite quite the opposite. They're they're in a big slump. So that game is going to be. It's not going to be league defining because it could be league defining, but it most likely won't be because Barcelona still have a good lead. Uh, There's still a big 11 points over Real Madrid and um 13 over atleti but like as i mentioned earlier it's not impossible for them to to throw it away it's it's very possible for them to cock it up so um we have we have to wait and see what, what actually happens with this then the biggest game uh was one of my favorite games in spain uh the basque derby between Athletic club and Real sociedad fire a passion two teams that hate each other and really it is, it, there's a lot of intensity um there's a lot of drama um, Sociedad have been having the better season from beginning to end but uh, but Athletic Club really just got the better of them this time they were playing in San Mames in Bilbao um, and, and you could tell the, the atmosphere, the players, they were really energized uh, they, they really went out to win the game and uh, Sociedad, who are currently 8 points ahead of Athletic Club didn't look, uh, didn't look as good as they've been looking these past few games and Yaki Williams, the Bilbao legend that he is, scored a brace uh, to beat the, their huge rivals and uh, and with that Bilbao took, uh, took home three points and bragging rights and everything that comes along with it Bilbao are just trying to get into the conference league spots they're four points off but uh, but it's not quite looking it especially with Villarreal um, in a fairly solid form as of late but uh, but most importantly this is a pretty hard blow for uh, Sociedad who really really want to get into the Champions League they were fighting for it last season and didn't quite make it and now they're currently in fourth place. Um, however, uh, Real Betis, who's also really aiming for that fourth place, is uh, is only three points behind them, and they're also in very good form. So it's going to be neck and neck until the very end of the season, I think. And we'll, uh, we'll really have to see how it, uh, how it goes on.
0: And now we'll look at La Liga, where PSG comfortably beat Lawns 1-3-1. Lons had a man sent off, and that's obviously... When you're trying to beat PSG, you can't really be going a man down. Yeah, it just kind of it kind of ended any hope of Lons having some monumental upset to beat PSG, and and to win the title. But obviously for Lons, they're set to still be up for Champions League qualification, which obviously is a big achievement for them. And for PSG, they're more than likely to win the title. Yeah, and, and that's all really she wrote in Liga. Obviously, Leo have rescued their terrible season and currently sit fifth. As we brought it back in the last episode, Jonathan David is currently on 20 goals, which is level with Kylian Mbappe. Um, Mbappe is only ahead because he has two penalty goals where Jonathan David has six.
1: Jonathan, Jonathan David watch uh, for today, 21st of April. Jonathan David is good at football. You're
0: welcome. Um, so that is it for today. Thank you for listening. Please like us, follow us, subscribe, whatever. And Jeff yeah, will be back next week. Thank you very much and we will see you later.